Welcome to Heroes of Brand Protection Podcast, Episode 11. I am your host, Daniel Shapiro, Vice President of Brand Relations at Redpoints, the world's fastest growing brand protection solution with a mission to make the internet safer for both brands and consumers. In this podcast, we will share stories and industry insights from some of the leading experts in brand protection and anti-counterfeiting from many different industries. We are so happy you could join us today. Please check out all our episodes on www.redpoints.com forward slash podcast. Today, we are thrilled to be speaking with Stasa Racknick, Brand Protection Manager at Entertainment One. Stasa wanted to be a writer as a child due to her passion for reading. However, as she made her way through school, her passions evolved and pivoted her interest to pursue a career in the legal profession. When Stasa got into law school, she was still undecided as to what her specialty might be, but having lived in different countries, she zeroed in on a master's of IP and IT law. Hello, Stasha, and thank you so much for joining us today. We're thrilled to have you with us. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, just as a quick introduction, Stasha is the Senior Brand Protection Manager at Entertainment One, and and we couldn't be happier to have her. But one of the things I just wanted to uh, clear up before we get started is, how do you feel about pineapple on pizza? Is it one of those things that should be on it, or do you think we we shouldn't put the pineapple on the pizza? Uh, I would actually love to say yes, because I'm known to put anything, uh, weird things on pizza, even ketchup, which is actually quite common uh, where I come from originally, uh, that's Slovenia. But previously working with Italians, I now know better, so I would have to do it. Uh, No, it's absolutely unacceptable. So when we, uh, just to get to know you a little bit better, uh, Stasha, is there an occurrence or a situation that you think about in your career that has happened that you either think is funny or sort of unique that it may have happened in this job or in your college or could happen anywhere, but is there something that comes to mind? Uh, yeah, one of the stories uh, connected to my current role that I find quite funny uh, is when I found out that I got this job at uh, E1 and I told to my then uh, almost seven-year-old niece that I will be working with Peppa Pig. She, of course, got very excited and started talking about the show and Mr. Potato and uh, I was like, well, who's Miss Potato? So she was very shocked that I didn't know. Uh, so she decided uh, that I need a training. And uh, when I went back home for holidays, she made me watch a few episodes of Peppa Pig with her every evening. And then she would explain everything about the characters in detail. So it was actually quite helpful uh, and useful to, to get to know the brand before I even started. So you could show up day one as an expert in Peppa Pig. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Uh, and... and- Speaking about that, what did you want to be when you grew up? So uh, my first uh, wish when I was a a child uh, was to become a writer, because as soon as I learned how to read, uh, reading was uh, all I wanted to do and how amazing it must be to make up stories and write books. It's even better than reading. But then once I got a bit older, uh, I decided I want to be a lawyer, which uh, interestingly enough, still involves a lot of reading. (laughs) I bet. And how did you, uh, what happened to help you make you uh, transition? Obviously, you weren't a kid anymore, but what was the sort of pivot transition point, you think? Um, So when I got to law school, um, I wasn't planning to specialize in IP back then. uh, But I think what uh, influenced my career and where I ended up the most were actually my experiences living abroad. So during university, I did Erasmus Exchange uh, in Netherlands, and uh, I took IP law as one of the subjects uh, and realized I really enjoy it. 
And then after graduating, I did an internship here in London and fell in love with the city. So I then went off to do a two-year traineeship at the court back home. But even then, I took uh, four months off to to do a, a, to attend non-formal education program in Denmark, which had nothing to do with law, but was a great opportunity to experience uh, folk schools that are really common in Scandinavia. It's an adult education program. So that was actually where I had the chance uh, to think about uh, what, what I wanted for my life and my career. And I realized that the path that I was on is not where I wanted to be. So I decided to do a master's abroad and uh, I found the perfect program for me in IP and IT law. It was perfect because the first semester was in Germany and the second was uh, uh, I could choose from 10 different universities uh, and I chose London, Queen Mary University. So once I graduated, this helped me to get my first position uh, in IP at the Smiley Company and uh, that's how I got into brand protection. And that's where you started, was it the Smiley Company? Yeah, and uh, I feel very lucky because that job job showed me that I absolutely love the industry and it's really fun to work with uh, happy, positive brands like now I do with uh, Peppa and PJ Masks. <laughs> and then how did you uh, make the move to Entertainment One? What, what drew you there? Uh, in, in between, I was actually working in uh, patent licensing, so not as fun, <laughs> but very interesting. Um, and then uh, uh, I heard about this uh, position at... Uh, um, Entertainment One, and uh, actually it was my friend who worked there in marketing. She told me about it, so uh, uh, it's kind of uh, who referred me. And uh, yeah, I, I really wanted to try, and uh, that was it. And how long have you been at Entertainment One? Uh, it's almost two years now, so a year and 10 months, maybe. Fantastic. And what's your favorite part so far, Ben, of working at Entertainment One with all the great uh art and, and entertainment industry that they have? Is there some area that you love more than others in terms of as a fan or as a, a IP legal counsel? Um, in terms of my job, I think it's very diverse and I find everything uh, interesting. Um, I do like uh, George uh, from Peppa <laughs> and people in the company are amazing. Awesome. And maybe for those of us, uh, for those who are listening to us today and who may not be familiar with Entertainment One and some of the great you know, um, sort of signature either bands or movies or shows that you guys do. Maybe tell us a little bit about the company and uh, where it's based and so forth. Uh, sure. So uh, Evan is an entertainment company that is primarily involved in uh, acquisition, distribution and production of films, music and uh, television series. It's headquartered in Canada and has offices worldwide, including London, where I'm based uh, it's a broad business. They have film and TV, music, and family brands division. So the latter specializes in the development, production, distribution, and brand management of kids' entertainment, uh, most famous, of course, being Peppa and PJ Masks. But it also includes uh, Ricky Zoom that was just launched and uh, Ben and Holly's Little Kingdom. Um, actually, E1 was acquired by Hasbro uh, last year. So now we're part of a much larger toy and games company. Uh, with even larger international presence because they are present in over 40 countries around the world um, and they have a much larger portfolio of brands. I'm sure everyone is familiar with at least some of them like uh, Monopoly, Transformers, Pony and uh, yeah, they license their brands across over 100 product categories. And uh, where, where in Canada is Entertainment One headquartered? Uh, it's in Toronto. Oh great. When we think about you know, whether you're an IP lawyer or an IP lawyer specializing in brand protection as you do, what's some of the hardest things you have to do in your job that you could 
list as a, a difficult task? Uh, so I think what I find the most challenging for me is uh, prioritizing and deciding what cases to progress with and which to leave alone. Because uh, with a famous brand like uh, Peppa Pig or PJ Masks uh, that are based on content and have a broad scope of possible infringement, it's very hard to tackle everything with uh, limited resources and on a budget. Honestly, I would just love you know if we could cross off infringements in certain categories, but uh, it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. So we always have to make sure that uh, we, what we do is worth it and that uh, we will have the most impact. But that's not always uh, an easy choice. So sometimes we spend money on investigations that lead nowhere and you know you just have to accept this. Yeah, that's the challenge, right, with investigations. Some lead out into finding what you're looking for and some dead end, right? I mean, that just happens. Exactly, yes. And, and when you think about not to put all IP lawyers in one bucket, but when you think about your profession as an IP lawyer, sometimes we uh, classify or think of you folks as one particular stereotype. Is there a, a myth or something you should debunk for us as it relates to brand protection IP lawyers? I think uh, one of the myths in brand, for brand protection in general is uh, that uh, uh, you know it's just not that important or that during the mere basics and uh, being reactive is enough. I think this is absolutely wrong, and I think companies are now starting to be aware that having a good brand protection strategy can help them significantly with their business, or on the other hand, it can hurt their brand. So uh, luckily, it's becoming more and more clear that brand protection is not just a legal issue for brand owners, but it also holds other dangers uh, like consumer safety or frauds, uh, and hopefully people in general will get more educated why uh, IP protection is indeed important. And we want to make sure that they don't support infringement. Yeah, and no, I think you're spot on when you, when you say that, Stasha, because I always think about it from a perspective of um, sort of brand integrity, right? Today, the internet or e-commerce gives us many, many options to get what we want to get. We don't have to go to a place where we don't trust or have feel like there's integrity, right? Or it, it makes us feel uncomfortable. So managing brand protection to improve reputation, improve customer trust, has a lot of value. Exactly, yes. Our last episode was with Dr. Mirren, who is head of trademark and domains at the Belron Group. She wanted to ask you a question, which is, apart from all the negative changes the pandemic has brought, could you mention some of the positive aspects you think have happened during this pandemic? And then of those, maybe what stands out the most for you? Actually, that's a very good question, uh, I think. And I have been thinking about this uh, in the past year a lot, because with all the difficulties that we're witnessing, it's good to see some positivity in the situation as well. And uh, what I think is that there has been a lot of talk in recent years about well-being and uh, work-life balance, healthy lifestyle. But as a society, I think we gravitated away from that in our day-to-day life. So uh, when the pandemic started and the whole world basically stopped. Uh, we were reminded of the importance of self, self-care. And I think especially uh, working from home, some people's priorities and values shifted. They now appreciate the extra time they have with their family and friends or for hobbies. And uh, I truly believe if more people aren't, if uh, people aren't overworked or stressed and annoyed by the uh, uh, commute, uh, and they have more time to focus on what's important in their personal lives, they will be happier, healthier, and consequently more productive at work as well. Yeah, I think that's true. I was thinking one of the things when I saw that question is, I think about my dog. My dog's been with me, you know, where normally I used to leave her at home and go to work. And I think she's going to have a problem 
when I go back to the office, she's used to have me at home. So I'll have separation anxiety or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give to uh, someone who would like to pursue a career similar to what you have done? Uh, and they're in the early stages of thinking about what they want to do. Uh, what would you tell them to do to help them think through what, what to do? Well, uh, I mean, usually if I if I talk to students uh, and I can give them advice in general, uh, you know, I talked about how uh, my journey was uh, influenced by my study and living abroad. I always tell them to take the opportunity their university provides and join exchange programs or if they can, internship abroad. So I think we're really lucky in, in Europe, though, because we have a lot of opportunities and uh, scholarships available and everybody can do it if they wish. Uh, but in general, I think this gives you um, that this would broaden your horizons, change your perspective on certain things. And maybe you will even have a, an option to study something that you had no idea it existed. And uh, the second thing I, I would always also advise to, to, to network and participate at conferences uh, or webinars and other events because it can help you significantly on your career path. Uh, you will not only learn more about the subject, but you can also meet people from the industry who can help you or inspire you. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. I always think about, right, when people think they know what they want to do and then they take an opportunity to study something different and maybe, like you mentioned, in a different place. Mm -hmm. And uh, it could be a pivotal pivotal transition to maybe I want to do something different. So Exactly. Yeah, I mean, coming from Slovenia, we don't have that many... Uh, options to work in brand protection at all. So it's definitely something that I couldn't do if I didn't go. Yeah. Is there anyone who you think during your career who's inspired you or, you know, a mentor for you as you have been uh, moving around in your career? Yeah, it's one person that I could point out, uh, I think would be our former dean at my law school. He was more inspiring on a personal level, actually, not just professional. But when I was in my final year of uni, uh, he invited some of us students to fund a pro bono group to provide legal opinions to parents who had children with disabilities or rare diseases and were struggling with the insurance to get the right treatments and they couldn't necessarily afford legal advice. So I, I was so impressed that our dean back then, you know, who was clearly one of the busiest people and an expert in his field, actually took the time to help to set this up and was always available for us to mentor and guide. I mean, he's all around a great person. And I remember thinking back then that this is the kind of people all lawyers should be, you know, no matter what career you're in, you, know, you always have to be human first. That That's a great story. Do you mind sharing his name? Uh, so he's called uh, Raiko Knes, and he's now actually the president of a constitutional court in Slovenia. Oh, wonderful. Well, listen, sometimes, you know, when you hear a nice story like you just shared, it's nice to give a little shout out to the person whom you were speaking about, right? Yeah. One of the uh, things we'd like you to do, I don't know if you know Ellen Shetty from Keen. Keen is a really cool outdoor uh, shoe company out of Portland, Oregon, and they have just some really spectacular product. But she leads up their IP legal uh, team, and we're speaking to her uh, next, you know, our next podcast will be with her. What if I don't know if you know her, but if you don't, and even if you do, what would you like to know about her? Okay, uh, I, I don't think I know her, though. But uh, I would be interested to know uh, what was the last book that she has read or she's reading at the moment. Oh, great. Well, we'll definitely ask her. What, what, is, what would that be answer? What would the answer be for you as far as, as, far as your last book or a book you're currently reading? I, I just finished uh, Girl A by Abigail Dean. It's a crime thriller and uh, it's actually a child, a child abuse topic. So 
not an easy read, but it's just amazingly well written. And I got through it in two days, actually. Oh, wow. All right. Well, good. Well, listen for Ellen's podcast after yours, and we'll get the answer to uh, what book she's got on her table. That's awesome. Well, listen, uh, thank you, Stasha, for your time, and thank you for your uh, interesting stories and uh, sharing uh, your personal career with us and how you ended up in the brand protection space. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, it was very interesting to learn about your journey and the insights and tips you gave regarding the brand protection space. There are a few key takeaways that really resonated with me, and I wanted to share them with you. One, the myth that brand protection is not important and that by just doing the basics and being reactive is enough. And that's absolutely wrong. It's a good thing that companies are starting to realize that having a brand protection strategy can significantly help their business. And number two, this one was specifically for lawyers, but I think it can be applied to just about everyone, which is every lawyer, regardless of their field, needs to be reminded that they are human first. Good lesson for all of us. Well, that's it for us today. If you've liked what you heard, check out our next inspiring story from another hero of brand protection. You can follow us on all of our platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Twitter and LinkedIn. Make it a good day.